0: broadcasting from the road in Des Moines, Iowa. This is the Cambridge Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Darrell. This is episode 32, Gospel Conversations, Behold Christian Supremacy. so went
1: forth to sow, bearing precious seed in his hand, hoping and hope that he might see it grow. Knowing that the harvest might well come before the bloom he runs on his way, there's no time to be going slow. Welcome
0: everybody to the Campus Reach Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage and equip you in the work of evangelism on the FLF Network, flfnetwork.com or crosspolitic.com uh, to learn more about what we're doing, some of the other shows that we have uh, going on from our flagship CrossPolitic on down to the podcast and everything else in between. Um, we also, if you become a member, we have some... Uh, Uh, Toby Sumter's teachings on the Proverbs, as well as uh, Gary DeMar's uh, crash course on the worldview and things along those lines. So if you head on over to one of those websites and checks out, you can uh, learn a little bit more about what we have going on. And uh, this is week two of bringing in some conversations from campus. And I'm going to be playing two clips today. Um, Both of them are kind of tied into an aspect of being asked about Christian supremacy in one of the conversations you 'll hear uh, very uh, explicitly about being a Christian supremacist, and in the other one was kind of tied into the idea of how do you know that um, basically your interpretation is right when there is a diversity of interpretations and uh, the the question which you unfortunately can 't hear uh, was much more framed in the context of we 're so embedded into our culture. Um, how do I know that the way I'm interpreting the text is right? And so uh, you'll hear a little bit of that. And I have edited the clip down a bit, because it was a longer discussion. I'm trying to keep it tight, and uh, you realize as you listen through, one, I repeat myself a lot. Being on campus, I might look in two different directions and reiterate what I say to uh, the crowd that is standing there. People to the left, people to the middle, people to the right, and making sure that everybody hears it. So you kind of have that strand of thought that uh, people are getting caught up on. Uh, so I'm, I'm repeating it, so I've tried to edit it down to make it a little more concise. And the main thing I'm going after there is um, the very uh, kind of more of the epistemolo- epistemological approach uh, that the young man is taking. And um, it actually ties in well with something uh, that I read today in the Washington Post by a guy named Esau. What is this gentleman's name? Um, Dr. Esau McCulley. Uh, he's an assistant professor of New Testament at Wheaton College and an Anglican priest, which might be indicative of a problem. Uh, but he, uh, the, the title of the article is Why It Matters If Your Bible Was Translated by Racially Racially Diverse Group. And the reality of it is, he doesn't, I don't think he makes a very good argument um, for it, but the important thing um, for our purposes is uh, going to be this you saw uh, Macaulay's uh, basic criticism is rooted in critical theory. And the the, the reason this is important, and as I spent a little bit more time um, even just kind of looking into uh, critical theory. So basically, um, a little over 100 years ago, there was a, an attack on rationalism. And um, f- for a myriad of reasons, obviously this is going to be a, about a 20-minute podcast. I'm not going to spell everything out. But one of the things that became Vogue... Um, and it may have, uh, and, you know, th- these things have always been going on. So it's not like it was uh, brand new. And I'm sure I could trace it back uh, more deeply. Um, but at the time, you had the rise of a more of a sociological approach to knowledge. And so people began to really study sociology and look at different cultures and look at different civilizations and try to come to the conclusion, basically, that people um, around the world have different values. Um, they communicate differently. They have different customs. And this pluralism... Uh, basically, you know, pointed in the direction that men and women draw their conclusions rooted in their uh, cultural settings and their cultural ideas, and so um, we have a tendency to think that we're just doing objective uh, work and we're just looking at the world around us. But the uh, study of sociology ha- kind of helped bring to the fore the idea that there is a sociological element of. Um, our knowledge and our experience in the world. And I think even as Christians, we can sign off on that being true. Um, But what the uh, men like Carl Mannheim did, what they really end up pushing uh, for the sociology of uh, knowledge is that knowledge is based on our condition in society. And so that's where certain notions like intersectionality come in. So my experience as a white male and their understanding of Western culture has been privileged, and therefore um, I experience uh, police differently than someone, say, a black man who has other experiences with the police. And so when it comes to authority and positions of power and all that sort of stuff, uh, they basically want to say the sociology of our knowledge is radically different between the different groups. And so because of that, we, in this instance, we need diverse uh, people Uh, interpreting the Bible uh, because the the experiences of other people might help us understand the Bible afresh. And so uh, Dr. McCulley says this, as a New Testament scholar, I've discovered that people of color and women have rarely led or participated in Bible translation. On one hand, this doesn't trouble me much. It is hard to mess up the story of the Exodus, distort the message of the prophets, or dismantle the story of Jesus. It is all there in every English translation. On the other hand, I believe it matters who translates the Bible, and that more diverse translation committees could inspire fresh confidence among Christians of color. Such a translation would allow black Christians and others to know with certainty the things uh, that you have been taught. And so, you know, and he obviously uh, is smart, so he kind of hits at both sides. In one sense, it does matter. In another sense, it does, um, that people of color might have certainty the things that they were taught, and he's quoting uh, Luke chapter 1 there. Um, and, And so... That and, it, and as he lays it out, uh, what he ends up saying is not necessarily ridiculous or awful. And so if you just think of the language um, that, say, the King James uh, is and then the English language that we use today, many of you are using an ESV, um, maybe even an NIV, NAS. And part of that is because of the language of the King James doesn't relate to you. And much of his argument is in a similar fashion, but kind of tied into uh, the experience of black people who are listening to, you know, he, he lays out rap music and um, uh, stuff like that. And and so he's he was saying that the King James version that he grew up with doesn't resonate with him in the same way that perhaps, uh, you know, Nas does. And so maybe we need a uh, fresh translation of people of color. In and of itself, none of that bothers me. Anybody who's working with a translation, um, I think that's fine and good. But I do think more deeply embedded in an article like that being in published in Um, the Washington Post, is much more rooted in certain views of the sociology of knowledge. And um, one of the things kind of tied into my apologetic dealing with Christian supremacy in these two things, um, looking at the basic idea that uh, Karl Mannheim and some of the critical theorists started to come up with is much more the idea of the sociology of knowledge. And so I wanted to read something um, from Karl Mannheim's uh, work called Ideology and Utopia, and why, for one of the reasons, Christians can't get too into critical theory, I believe, because we would hold to uh, normativity. So let me read this section and then kind of go from there. He says this, uh, The view which holds that all cultural life is an orientation towards objective values is just one more illustration of a typically modern rationalistic disregard for the basic irrational mechanisms which govern man's relation to his world. There is then no norm which can lay claim to formal validity. So think about what he's saying there. There is there is no norm which can lay ho- claim to formal validity. And so as he says that, uh, he's he's left, I would say, in a contradiction, because anything that he puts forward as normative, as he's describing the cultures around him, if he's uh, calling them to think a certain way or to move in a certain direction, uh you know, what's its claim to formal validity in that? And so it, it's ultimately a form of relativism and I also believe self-stultifying because if he adopts this approach and he has to apply it to everything that he's arguing and so I think that's the fundamental problem in, in most of these things that sound good initially because I think we can in one sense all agree um, that we're influenced by being Western in a Western liberal democracy I mean, uh, I think Christians 500 years ago looking at our beliefs today would be uh, tough sledding recognizing the two together and so I think we can all agree in one sense that we're thoroughly influenced by our culture with regard to how we believe, how we feel emotionally towards things, even certain moralities and stuff like that. Um, but that's, I think, ultimately a separate issue um, from being able to, that there is a, uh, you know, a formal valid norm that everybody should recognize, like logic, and then ultimately, obviously, Yahweh and his character and his being. And so I want to maintain that we're not so locked into our sociological setting uh, that we become total relativists, and we can know the truth, and we have been made by God. God has chosen to speak to us in language. Jesus is a logos of God, the logic as well as the word, and all that's intertwined there. And God created the heavens and the earth with his word. And so as Christians, we want to maintain very thoroughly... um, a view of objective reality that God has made us to know a very real world uh, that we do know if we're committing adultery, we do know if we're lying, we do know if we're stealing, and in many of these aspects of the sociological view of knowledge, um, there'd be a sense in which we would never really know if we are violate any of those because our understanding of stealing would even be culturally embedded. Um, and so the communist has one understanding of stealing. The capitalist is going to have another. Which one's right? And so that's where we have to go back to the Bible and say, yep, ultimately uh, the Bible is our norm. So hopefully all of that makes sense because that's going to shed a little bit of light on to our discussions. The first discussion um, I'm having here, I was asked by a young man, um, how do I know that my understanding of the Bible is right given our cultural context? And one of the things I point out towards the end there, which is kind of the punchline is that he's assuming a transcendent perspective that all knowledge is embedded in our cultural setting. And so as he claims that, is that just because he's embedded into our cultural setting or has he transcended all cultural settings that he can look at all of them and say, oh, everybody's embedded in their cultural setting. So I, I believe he's in a self-refuting uh, statement by kind of asking me that question. And at one point, you'll hear me uh, go off on a tangent regarding... Um, not taking postmodernism seriously because a uh, well, young man I'll refers to it as entertainment I'll admit that I'm not I've been sure influenced by my culture, my clip. reading of the Bible. Um, so here's so a clip, example, it's a little louder. Like a a um, you, it's, it's kind of funny because I like, hear me preaching, I'm judge. like, oh man, I don't like, like hearing most my voice preaching. want to preaching, Zivian, it's different 3, than the, anymore. The, the small They'll say, then one Jesus about not judging, but it'll give you a little bit of idea of what I'm doing while I'm preaching. And uh, we think if we just avoid judgment, we're okay. So a lot of people might know that idea. And the question is, is the way we're applying it, is that what Jesus really meant? So the difference is this. I will admit I'm influenced by my culture and my interpretation of the text. What I don't, what I don't accept is that, therefore, I can never properly understand what the text is saying. That's, that's going to be the difference. I don't think I'm so locked into my culture that I can't understand anyone else's beliefs. Now, I realize in the context of post-modernity, we think we're so embedded in our social structure that it's all just pure interpretation. There are no facts. There are no values. There is nothing outside of my locked-in cultural Condition, interpretation of all the events. I reject that idea because that itself, to say that universally transcends your culture itself. To say every culture is so embedded, how do you know that every culture is so embedded that they can't interpret any others? You assume a privileged position at that point. So it sounds good initially that because we are, we're all Americans, or most here are probably Americans, and that's gonna and that's gonna influence, and that's gonna influence your approach to the text. So given that, I agree with you. Yes, I've been influenced. But therefore, I'm not going to jettison everything any more than I'm going to reject your question just because it's embedded in your cultural context. So I'm not going to reject your question. It's a valid question. I can understand it, I can interpret it. And just as I can understand you properly, I believe with a little bit of work, I can understand Paul and Jesus properly. But we wanted to say, oh, there are no facts, just interpretation. And we can never get at the author's intent, we can never know the author. But imagine, think of all the postmodernists writing books, how we can't understand the author. Why the hell are they writing books? If we can't understand the author, why would you write a book saying you can't understand authors? Like it's
1: entertainment.
0: So if it's just entertainment, if postmodernism is just entertainment, I beg you guys not to take it seriously. And so if you guys are taking postmodernist seriously and you are in this campus, the minute you want to accuse me of being a white male, you're embedded in your postmodernism. That, that my, I hear you're an effing white male and therefore let's dismiss what you're saying because you're an effing white male. But that's all from postmodernism and I'm glad you said it's entertainment. Because that's how you guys should take postmodernism, but unfortunately, most of you take it seriously. That's the nature of your question, and that's the nature of your relativism. That's the nature of why you come out and say, "How can you tell anyone else that they're wrong? How dare you stand out here? What are you, some imperialist colonial? How dare you stand up here and say you're right and everyone else is wrong? You must be a bigot. Not at all. Any more than postmodernism is to come along and tell me I can't be an imperialist. Because when you tell the imperialists that they can't be an imperialist, you're suddenly giving your culture to dominate theirs. See, some sort of cultural supremacy." is inescapable. Some sort of cultural supremacy is inescapable. The only question is, what should be supreme in our culture? What I'm not here to maintain, what ought to be supreme, is a personal being that loves the world, it's God. Personal being that loves the world, that should be supreme. That should be the chief end of our culture, and our society. Not our political affiliation, not our race, not our gender, not our socioeconomic standing, but God. So the Christian approach to reality is that Yahweh is the true eternal God. He is completely sovereign. He's made the heavens and the earth. He's made us to know him. He's made us to know the world. And so we want to maintain that we can know him. And what we need to point out is that ultimately all sociological views of knowledge that we only believe the things that we believe and only hold to the things that we hold to uh, because we're embedded into our social context is ultimately a self-refuting philosophy because if that's the case, that objection itself is embedded in its social context, and so what we want to maintain is yes, we've been influenced by our culture, um, but as Christians, we maintain that uh, we can be uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we want to maintain that. And so, in maintaining that, here's a another discussion I had uh, where a gentleman kind of uh, flat out asked me about Christian supremacy in one sense, and so here's a, a longer discussion. I get done breaching off on the side. A uh, Young man says, you know, he didn't really hear my message, so he'd like to know exactly what it is I'm talking about. And so here's a discussion that we have, kind of go back and forth. And I just think hopefully it'll be helpful to you.
1: I've I missed all of your uh-huh. speech, I yeah. want to say. What, yeah. what are you trying to tell us over here? So,
0: a central message that Jesus is the eternal Son of God.
1: Jesus is the only Son of God. Yeah. Is that what you're to the say? Eternal, only Son so of if God. if I believe in another Son of God, I'm condemned.
0: Uh, you have the wrong Son of God, yeah. I have the wrong Son of God. So uh-huh. there's no other God except Jesus. Jesus Amen. Say? Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Jesus okay. is the, the there's only one God. So, everybody else is fake. We're fakers, right? Um. Well... That, that's what you're saying. I mean, you can't backtrack. You just said that 2 seconds ago. You believe in the Do you, you want to have
0: a discussion or you want to argue with me? I'm,
1: I'm discussing with you, sir. Okay. You just you're just completely I'm,
0: have have a good day. I'm not I'm not I'm not interested no. in having it back and forth. Like it, like if you really want to understand my position, you really want to understand my position, I'll do. gladly lay it out for you. But if you just want to if if you want to take two seconds of something I say, okay. and try to run with it okay. wherever you want, I'll just tap out. Okay. I wanna hear, hear what you so, so, so my belief is this, there's only one true eternal son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. There's a sense in which I've been adopted into God's family so I can speak to myself as being a son. I'm not a son of God in the same sense that Jesus is the son of God in the Old Testament there are other created beings that are identified as sons of God but my position is that there's only one true eternal son of God and that is Jesus of Nazareth is the only true eternal son of God so I will say if you're worshiping and serving any other son you're worshiping and serving any other would be God. In the Old Testament, the term is Elohim to describe other beings. They say, the the, the Bible says there are other Elohim gods, but they are small g gods. So there's only one true eternal God, but God's made these other beings that are idols that we worship. But the Old Testament identifies them as gods, but they're idols. But But we still use the term God for them. So I think people can have experiences with gods or demons, depending on what language you want to use, and they can be very real experiences, but I'm saying that's not an experience of the true God. Okay. So if you were to cheat, if you're married to a woman, you go have sex with another woman, have a real experience, but you're not being faithful to your wife. Okay. And so we are to be faithful to the one true eternal God, not to all of our experiences. But I think you can experience other other beings, but they're not the true God.
1: Okay, so here's my question. If I don't believe in Jesus, but I, do, like, I believe in God, right? uh-huh. I have 100% faith in God. Uh-huh. But if I don't have that faith through Jesus, am I still condemned? I believe you are.
0: Jesus, because Jesus himself says, whoever believes in me is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, for they have not believed in the only Son of God. So if Jesus, if what Jesus is saying there is true in John 3, 18 and 19, then you're condemned or Jesus is wrong and I'm condemned if there's another
1: God who's true. So Jesus wants us to believe in him correct. and not believe in God because he's the God. He's God in the flesh, correct. So but if Jesus is the only God, is that what you're trying to say? Correct. So how is Jesus the son of God? Like I don't get, I don't get what Yeah, because
0: you have uh, one God, three persons. There's only one God. We don't, we're not polytheists. We're, 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 we're monotheists through and through. Uh, but in the one God, there are three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we can talk about space, length, width, and height. Well, which one's truly space? Well, there's only one in essence uh, so there's only one in essence God but there are three persons and so the father is not the son the son is not the spirit and so the father so John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is with God, and the Word is also God. There's only one God, three persons. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst men. So when you go to Jesus, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you go to Jesus, you're going to the true God, and the only mediator between God and man
1: is Jesus. Does that mean Jesus is a supremacist? Sure, absolutely. God should be a supremacist. Okay so no he doesn't he doesn't believe in he only believes in himself he's egoistic
0: that's not egotistic at all that if you're, if, is, if you're the other, only god there's
1: other idols of god as well there's other but those aren't
0: idols that's the difference those are those are idols those are created beings jesus is not a created being if you're the eternal god how
1: would jesus not a a being I
0: don't get it. Uh, well he's the eternal word made flesh and so jesus of nazareth took on flesh and blood but he's the eternal word and so he did become a man, but he's the eternal word made flesh. So he's pre-incarnate. He's just existed for all eternity. Then Jesus of Nazareth became a man in time and space. And so if you want to use the term supremacist, but God is supreme.
1: I have no qualms. I agree with that, but the thing is there's, there's other people who have the same message, have the same love for people that Jesus had. And I get it that you're trying to make everybody here yeah. believe so the fact that Jesus is supreme, but there are other religions, there uh, are other gods, sure. and I'll say which this. have pre-existed before Jesus. Sure, and I'll so say how this. how does that make Jesus supreme? And I'll say this.
0: God is supreme, not Jesus. Okay, but, but we're saying that Jesus is God in the flesh, but I'll just say this. If some other being is God, and Jesus is not God in the flesh, I'm just wrong. Okay. okay, fair enough. And I can live with that, and I don't think it's disrespectful. I, like, I don't know what your beliefs are, but let's just say you believe that uh, jh is the true god you know what i mean jh is and i'm serving yahweh over here you said nope Yahweh is a created being jesus is not jh he's less than he is i'm an idolater that doesn't bother me if that's true and if it's true i would ask you to persuade me so the idea that i believe that jesus is the only true god in the flesh um yeah sure if you want to call it a supremacist that's fine because he is supreme he's the only true god uh if he's not supreme then it's idolatry Okay. And so if there's another God who's not supreme and I'm serving it, that I'm, I'm, I put supremacy in the wrong thing. I am out here to maintain that Yahweh is the only true God. He is the absolute supreme, the most high, as
1: the Bible would say. So do you think someone would come into sin if he uh, uh, worships another God?
0: Absolutely. It's idolatry. Oh, really? So if I worship another God, I'm an idolater. Yeah.
1: Okay. What if I've been brought up that way?
0: Uh, well, so you're still I... wrong. You could be brought up a racist. You're still wrong. Okay. Uh, you're, you could be brought up saying it's a good idea to assault people.
1: You're still wrong. I, 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 and, yeah. I get that, but we're not talking about racism. stuff about worshiping gods which are gods in other religions but what you're trying to say is Christianity is the only religion Amen. and we must worship Jesus mm-hmm. but that's not true and I agree like th- that's the way you've been brought up Jesus it's not the way I was brought up
0: God. <laughs> that is the way you're it's not the way I was brought up, up. I-, I was not a believer until I was 17 years
1: old okay it's that's
0: not the way fair. I was brought up
1: but then why are you I get it. You believe in something, but that doesn't mean you have to persuade every single pe- every single person over here. Some different religions, different backgrounds, different colors, different everything. That does not give you the right to persuade them to believe in what you believe.
0: But but think about
1: it. You're, that's what you're trying to do. Okay, you're
0: trying to make I, us I agree with you. I, I want to resent agree with you. But if you listen closely to what you're saying, you're telling me that I should believe like you no, and not saying, but believe in Jesus. Okay, but think what my beliefs are. But, but, but th- don't make us believe in it okay. because we believe in different things. But, but but think about it for a second. If my belief in Jesus tells me to come out here and publicly preach, that's what my belief in Jesus does. Jesus says, hear me out, even if you disagree with me, Jesus says, all authority is mine in heaven and earth, therefore, go into every single nation and preach the gospel to every single creature. So if Jesus is right, and he tells me to go into every nation and preach the gospel to everybody, even people who disagree with me, and then you come along and say, oh, by the way, you shouldn't come out here and tell everybody to agree with you. It's either I believe what Jesus is telling me to do or what you're telling me to do. And so the reality is a subtle irony, and I realize because we're in a pluralistic culture, your message has, resonates a little more with people, but the subtle irony is if I accept what you're saying, I'm actually getting rid of my beliefs. So in a similar fashion as I'm calling, yeah it is, because in a similar way that I'm calling you away from your beliefs into Jesus, you're calling me so away. So you
1: agree from- you're trying to call me away from my
0: beliefs. Amen. And you're tr- seeking to call me away from my beliefs. And so so by telling me I shouldn't be out here doing this, and if I was to repent of what I'm currently doing, I'd be adopting your, your mindset and your beliefs regarding religion. I'd become a relativist regarding religion and think it's okay for anybody to believe whatever they want. I don't believe that. So both of us, at this point in the discussion, are calling the other to repentance. Change your mind regarding my methodology. Don't stand out here and tell other people of other religions to change your mind. But the the subtle irony is, amidst your beliefs, you're telling me to get rid of my religious beliefs, even if it's not in total, but you're telling me a little bit, keep it in the closet, even though my religious beliefs tell me to go out into the public arena, and if I accept what you're telling me, there's a subtle irony that I'm actually getting rid of my so current beliefs. that way, what
1: I've done my whole life, the God i believed in is, is fake.
0: Um, that's well, that's it that's depends that's on what that. we mean by fake. Like let, 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 me nuance, let, 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 let me nuance, let me let me nuance this. Okay, but let me nuance this. Like I said, if you're married to a woman, and you have sex with another woman, that's not fake sex. It's very real, but it's not your wife. So I'm not denying your religious experiences. I haven't said you haven't had any religious experiences. All I've maintained is that is not the most high God. And so I have
1: cheated on God by believing in another one.
0: Amen. That's what the Bible says is idolatry. So so even, even throughout the Old Testament, that's why God opposes idolatry, because our sexual relations are to reflect our relationship with God. So when a man cheats on his wife, we're saying, here's how God treats his people. But God is faithful to his people. He's not unfaithful to his people. So our sexual ethic is re- reflect our relationship with God. And that's why the prophets use very harsh language to the Jews. They're like, they're horrible after other gods your adulterous generation so the Bible uses that sexual language regarding our relationship with God uh, and worship and that we're turning it on its head and so I do that but within that what I'm saying is God loves you God is gracious to you God sees to forgive you of all your sins and and well right now from this standpoint if you if your dad was a governor of Minnesota theoretically and you commit a crime he can still love you but you're condemned because your dad is just so God loves you but he's just and if you don't want anything to do well he's biased to the truth and so within that and within that jesus is the only truth and so anybody who the bible so think of Jesus' words think of think of it in in a logical sense jesus says whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life okay major premise whoever believes in jesus shall not perish but have everlasting life keith believes on jesus therefore keith has everlasting life jesus goes on to say but whoever does not believe stands condemned already what's what's your name Josh. Josh does not believe. Josh stands condemned already. Either Jesus is right or Jesus is wrong. And so God doesn't have a favoritism. He has a favoritism towards his son and anybody in his son. But I don't believe God loves me more than he loves you. Although uh, although there will... No, because I'm calling you into his son. God loves the world. God loves Josh. That If you believe on him, you will be saved. But on the flip side... If you don't want anything to do with them, I am saying he will say to you depart from me you cursed one into everlasting fire. You have heard the Only gospel.
1: God will protect me is if I in the Messiah. Something to turn.
0: Yeah, and, that, and I love that you said that, because that's absolutely right. No one naturally wants to turn to Jesus. We love our sin, and I would have never naturally turned to him outside of his grace. So even in the Old Testament, have you ever read the Old Testament? Okay, there's a story of the Israelites coming up out of Egypt, and God destroyed all the firstborn sons. And the only difference between the Israelites and even some of the Egyptians was they said, whoever has blood on their door, we will pass over. And so the blood of Jesus covers me, so God's wrath passes over me. God is completely just, and God's character is completely just. So, so my lying deserves the wrath of God. My gossip, my immorality, my deceit, all these things deserve the wrath of God. Your lying, your deceit, your malice, all these things deserve the wrath of God. So God is perfectly fair in treating each of us as our sins deserve. But the radical difference, the radical difference is, is you need the grace of God, I need the grace of God. The only way grace is found is in Jesus of Nazareth. It's not found anywhere else. Yeah. And so that's our gospel. That's our gospel. So those are um, two issues that kind of come up a little bit. And uh, earlier in one of our podcasts, we discussed uh, Christian supremacy. And part of the reason I discussed that is because it does come up on uh, college campuses. I think the idea of a cultural supremacy is inescapable. So we do want to maintain uh, that Jesus has all authority under heaven and earth. Um, The one who is supreme is loving and gracious uh, to his creatures and to sinners and so we were able to call them into it so one of the little moves of post-modernity is obviously any sort of power or supremacy is actually a sign of oppression where what we maintain is the one who is all supreme suffers at the hands of men and he comes down and he washes our feet and that's the beauty of the gospels that the one who has all power suffered at the hands of sinful men uh, to wash us and cleanse us from all of our sins and then he was resurrected and so now Jesus has all authority under earth and is uh, uh, has the ability to forgive us of our sins. So hopefully those conversations are uh, helpful for you. If you have any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, exhortations, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Campus Evangel on the Twitter, Keith at Campus Preacher. You can even visit my website, campuspreacher.com. Um, you can contact me over there, as well as Instagram, as, as well. And bless you. you I that you
1: might see you grow. He runs on his way There's no time to be going slow